Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to the mothers that are here and that are watching online as well. I've had a couple people come up to me today and mistakenly say Happy Mother's Day to me. And uh, I told them, and then they realized what they've said, and I've said, I'll take it. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Anyway, well, I want to read you today some truths of motherhood. Some truths of motherhood. Did you know that there only, there's only two amounts of pasta that you can make if you're a mom? One, not enough. And two, enough for 3,000 people. <laughs> All this leftover pasta, have you ever had that happen before? We have. Uh, if, if, if a mom is eating her food and she ever says, it's spicy, that's mom code for, I don't want to share my food. <laughs> One mom said that she loved her children, but not enough to flip the fish sticks halfway through cooking, but she loves them. <laughs> Uh, one, one minute, uh, mom said, you're young and cool, maybe even a little dangerous. And the next, you're reading Amazon reviews for bird seed. <laughs> and one said, when your children are teenagers, it's important to have a dog so that someone in the house is happy to see you. <laughs> right. Well, today's Mother's Day, and it's, it's a good time to celebrate the mothers in our lives but this can also be a day that gives mixed emotions for people. Uh, you might have a mother that has passed or a grandmother that has passed. And so even my, even my mom posted a picture of my grandparents on Facebook today and saw my grandmother and my granddad. And I got a little sad, you know, because they're not around anymore. And so it can be, it can be a day of, of sadness. Uh, it can also be a, be a hurtful day for, for some women uh, who maybe wanted to be mothers and never were or whatever it is. It, it can be a day of grief. And then some may even have guilt. I know if anything like me, my oldest child 16, and sometimes I have some guilt like, gosh, I don't think I'm a good enough father, right? I've messed up a lot. And, and so sometimes you can even have some guilt as to motherhood, like, you know, did, did I really do everything I could have done? Could I have been a, a better mother? Sometimes you might have uh, those thoughts as well. And that brings us to our text today as we go through our Bible reading plan in Psalm 86. What do we do when we find ourselves in a difficult time. What do we do when we find ourselves in a difficult time in our life? We, many of us know that, that we should approach God, but how do you approach God in a difficult time? What do you say? How do you come to Him? Well, this psalm we're looking at today gives us a pattern, if you will, a, a formula, if you will, of how to approach God when you find yourself in a difficult time. Psalm 86 is where we are, starting in verse 1. This is a prayer of David, it says. And that's actually in the Bible. That's not a, an editor. That's what it says. It says, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon you, for you answer me. Verse 8. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. 
All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name, for you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Verse 14. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Father in heaven, we thank you for those mothers in our lives that have helped us, that have comforted us, that you've given to us, Lord. And today, we, we take that motherly aspect that we celebrate in this country on this Mother's Day today, and we, and we look to you as our ultimate comforter, our ultimate helper today. And for whatever we're dealing with as we come in here today, Lord, we know that we can approach you and show us how and what to do and what to say as we look in this psalm today, Father. I pray that my words today reflect the heart of your word, that uh, you fill me with your spirit today, that the spirit fills this place, and that these people receive your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Several things about approaching God. How, how do we approach God in times of trouble? Well, first right here it says that we, in verse 1 or, or point 1, we are to make a plea to God for his help. Make a plea to God for his help. Not just simply ask God, not just simply raise your hand and say, Lord, help me. A plea. What, what is a plea? It, it is, a, it is a, an area where you're essentially begging the Lord to help you. You're crying out to the Lord. A, a plea for his help. And we see David in this first section making four pleas here. The first one is that he pleads for God to answer him. He says in verse 1, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor, I am needy. This is his first plea. God, answer me. When we approach God in a difficult time, we want to know that he'll answer us. Amen? And David underscores his desperation in hearing from God by saying that he's poor and needy. Now, he's the king of Israel. He wasn't financially poor. He didn't need anything. But spiritually speaking, morally speaking, he's saying, I'm poor, I'm needy, I, I need you. And so he's calling out to God and letting him know God is all he has. He calls out every now and then. A little four-year-old will be in his room. He'll, he'll say, Dad. I need you. <laughs> Say, oh, you're fine. Come on, right? So I just let him cry it. Say that over and over for four hours, right? No, I don't. What do I do? No, I get up and I go and get him. Right? This is what David's saying. God, I, I need you. God's not, not going to not answer. He expects him to answer. Verse 2, he says, Lord, preserve my life for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. David found himself in constant danger. 
As a shepherd, he was in danger of lions and, and, and things like this. And, and, and as God's anointed, he was running from King Saul. As God's king, he found himself in danger. So he's asking God to preserve his life. And here's the reason why. He didn't just say, Lord, save me, preserve me. He says, because I am your servant. He says, save your servant. When was the last time you asked God to save you so that you could serve him? Right? That's what he's saying. I want to serve you. Save me. I'm your servant. If you don't save me, I can no longer serve you. His third plea is for grace. He says in verse 3, he says, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Grace is, is favor that it's given to us, that we did not earn. And David acknowledges that he's done nothing to earn God's favor, yet he still asks for it. Sometimes I think we know we haven't deserved it, so we're maybe hesitant to ask for it. We know we couldn't do anything to earn God's favor, so maybe we don't ask for it. David says, I don't deserve it, and I'm still asking for it. God, give me your grace. And God does not withhold grace. He gives it to us. He desires that favor of God. And his fourth plea is this, verse 4. He says, to gladden the soul of your servant. In other words, make my soul happy. My soul happy. Of all the things in our lives that can bring us happiness, the only thing is that can make our tr truly make our souls happy is God gladdening our souls. I read an article from a doctor that, of some things that people think will bring them happiness, but actually can't and can actually be harmful. The first thing is exercise. Amen? I'm joking. Exercise can make you healthy. For sure you need to exercise. It can make you happy. But even too much exercise can have the adverse effect. I have a friend who is running six, six days a week. His doctor said, you're running too much. You need run, run five days a week. You're, you're doing too much exercise, right? That's, too much exercise can have an adverse effect on you. It can be bad for your body, things like this. And so he, so he says, exercise you think can make you ha happy, but if you do too much of it, it actually has the adverse effect. The same is true with sleep. And we all need enough sleep. To be happy, my son, little John David, had a fun day yesterday running around the sun and the water. And he came back, and 4 o'clock I said, he's probably going to take a nap. And it's nice that he takes a nap, but then he never gets to sleep when he takes a nap. About 4 o'clock he fell asleep, and then about 7 he woke up. And I let him sleep because I was enjoying it, right? But I knew, I said, he'll never, he'll never, he'll, a sheet of paper just fell out of the balcony. Anyway, kind of distracting. <laughs> he, he'll never, uh, he'll, he'll never, um, go back to sleep, right? Never go back to sleep. Well, about 11.30, he's still cutting flips, jumping up and down and everything. And I got to get up and preach in the morning, right? About 12 o'clock, he was asleep. 6.30 in the morning, he woke up. Hey, Dad, I slept through the night. Well, you only slept six and a half hours. That's why you slept through the night, right? So we all need sleep. But sometimes you can get too much sleep. And if you get too much sleep, it's going to make your soul unhappy. It'll leave you depressed. The doctor also listed what he called people-pleasing. People-pleasing. Like, in other words, it might make you happy to serve other people. Today we're going to be serving our mothers in our lives and maybe cooking them dinner and taking them out to eat and things like that. But if you serve 
people too much, we start getting an unrealistic expectation of what the reactions could be, and we can resent those people we're trying to serve. And it can be harmful for us to do too much of that. Another thing that he mentioned was smartphones. We all probably can understand this. Your smartphones make a lot of things easier. You know, every now and then I'll have this idea that I'm just going to get rid of my smartphone and go to a flip phone and just get rid of it, right? But then I think to myself, you know, I like watching sports on the phone. It's my GPS now. You know, there's a lot of things I would miss if I didn't have that connection. So it makes life easier. We would all agree with that. But if you can't stop looking at it, it can make your life harder. It affects how you relate to people. It affects your mood. It affects your sleep quality. I I saw this old video on YouTube. It was a Kmart in like 1987. And it just, the guy went around, and I guess this is for a news show, and they were just showing people, and they were were, uh, uh, videoing people interacting. There's no cell phones, no smartphones. Everybody was pleasant, and everybody was talking, and, and no one was doing this. You know, it was a simpler time, but the moods were better. You could tell, right? Smartphones can, can destroy our moods. They can disrupt our sleep. They can alter our brain chemistry. They do. In fact, they're not, a lot of doctors aren't even sure to what degree it is, but it does alter it. Right? And there's two other things he listed that are good for us that, that can be detrimental. Hand washing. You can wash your hands too much. <laughs> and even this right here, water. You need water to live, but too much water actually can be harmful for you. You can actually die from drinking too much water. But there's one thing that you can never get enough of, and that is the Lord God. You can never overdose on Jesus. He can never help you too much. There's never too much of him to have. And in fact, David's saying that he's the only thing that truly makes our soul happy is God. He can never help us too much. Verse 5 says, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of trouble, I call upon you. Why? Because you answer me. David had experienced that God would answer him, which leads us to number two, give praise to God for his character. His character. Verse 8 says, there's none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. There simply isn't anything in the world like God. He created the world. He transcends time. He transcends space. He exists over all. He is the source of all life. And and at some point, everyone will worship him. Look at verse 9. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Either hear or in the afterlife. For some people it's too late, but they still will confess it. We are to confess it now. There are all kinds of belief systems that claim there are other gods. 
The Bible clearly says here that that's not true and doesn't make sense because the Bible makes an exclusive claim over and over that there's one creator of the universe that is the God of the Bible. All other gods are fakes. All other gods are imposters, and they are figments of people's imaginations. In some cases, they're demonic influences, but not the one true God. There is one God who created everything that we know, so we praise God for who He is, and we seek to know Him more because of who He is and His character. A person's character develops over time. Their character lets you know what to expect from them. Think about a friend that you have uh, that you know you can rely on. No matter what, you know you can rely on this, on this friend. I had a friend that died recently, 43 years old last year. Sad situation. But I knew if I really needed him, no matter what, where I was, if I was in driving distance, if I had broken down or something, that if I called him, he would come and get me. He would be there, right? Because he had proved it over his life. We know, we know people's characters. We know if someone's going to show up late. Because why? Because they've showed up late before. We know if someone's going to be on time. Why? Because they have a history of being on time. We know that when Grandma has says, come over for Mother's Day dinner, that she expects us to be on time. Why? Because she's always expected us to be on time. A character is developed over time so you know what to expect, either bad or good. And God's character never changes because he is true and flawless. And David knows this, so he knows he can come to him for anything at any time, and God will answer. Now, the problem is if we don't know God well enough, if we're not reading our Bibles well enough, experiencing him enough, asking him for help, praying to him enough, seeing how he works in our lives, then we're not going to know God's like that. We haven't experienced it. Even though he is, we don't know. But David knew. And because of that, he says in verse 11, teach me your way. Why? So that I can walk in your truth. He says, unite my heart to fear your name. See, when you're facing a hard time, a difficult time, have you ever thought to ask God this, Lord, unite my heart to you. Teach me your ways so I can walk in the truth. Teach me your ways not so I can just be viewed as a great Christian or something like this, but so I can walk in your ways, unite my heart to you. And so we thank God, verse 12, I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever, for great is your steadfast love, this unending love he has toward me, for you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. What is he talking about? Sheol, well, Sheol was the grave. That's what it was. Many times, biblical authors would speak metaphorically about Sheol. Sometimes it was literally, many times it was metaphorically. In David's case, he was near death many times. Many times he was in danger of dying, and God kept him from going to the grave. But he also had times of mental anguish. Mental anguish, and and in those times, God, he knew that God had loved him. And even in those times, he comforted him 
in those times. And so we praise the one true God who can deliver our soul from, from Sheol because we know he's with us because of his character. Number three, make a petition to God for his strength. Make a petition to God for his strength. It says in verse 14, insolent men, when was the last time you used that word to describe somebody? Insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not yet set you before them. David had enemies, and these insolent men were going against his authority as king. And he had enemies mainly because he was God's anointed. He was God's king. It wasn't anything personal. He mainly had enemies because he was God's anointed. Now, you and I are not David. But we will have enemies in our life for the sole reason that we are Christians. The sole reason that we are believers in Christ. David had reasons because he was, had enemies because he was God's anointed and there was jealousy and there was demonic influence and all these kind of things. But we will have them because we are Christians. It's not personal. If anything, it is a reflection on their hate for Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us this. You'll have this. So what do we do? What do we do when we experience issues because we are believers? This is not a fight we can win on our own. You know, I can do push-ups and get really strong and become the strongest Charlie there is, but it's, I still can't win the fight on my own. I need a, a supernatural strength because this is a supernatural battle. So we petition the one who gives us the supernatural strength to give us what we need. Verse 15, but you, O Lord, are a, God, are a God who's merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. And give your strength to your servant. I can't do it on my own. And when we go to God, we ask God to help us. We're not asking God to make us the best version of ourselves. Nothing wrong with self-improvement. We're asking God to give us him. Give us that supernatural strength, that God's strength. Give us the strength only he can give us. Lord, give me the strength. How many times have you prayed that prayer? Lord, give me the strength today. Right? Sometimes I think when we ask that, we're just asking God to give us a boost, you know, help me get through. We're not really asking for his strength. His strength. Amazing thing. That's what God, what's that, what David says. Give, he doesn't say give me strength. He says give your strength to me. It's a different type of request, isn't it? Give your strength to me. There are certain things in your life that you cannot get through unless you have the strength of God working in you. And that's what he says. Lord, give me your strength. And then he does something interesting in verse 17. He says this. He says, show me a sign of your favor. Interesting. Show me a sign. Why? So that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. He wanted some type of visible representation of something that happened in his, way, his life so that when people saw him, they knew God is with him. God is with him, and we're going to be shamed that we were going against someone that God was with. 
Interesting request, right? We don't know what the sign was. We don't even know if God gave it to him. But because David knew God so well, the Bible says that David was a man for God's own heart. I feel like God probably gave him a sign. But that's what he said. Give me this sign that you're helping me so that those will know that you're helping me and they'll know that you are the one true God. If you're in a difficult time today, let me ask you the questions. Are you asking, are you plea, pleading, pleading God for help? How bad do you want God to help you? Do you just want a little nudge? Do you just want a little go get him? It's still all about you, but go get him, a little pep talk? Or do you want God to really help you? Are you praising his name when you're asking for him to help you? Lord, you are incredible. This is how I know you're going to. See, David praises his name. God already knows who he is. David praises his name to to remind himself how great God is. Do you need to remind yourself today how incredible God is? And finally, are you asking for his strength that come into your life today to face the things. There are things you're going to face in your life. The only way you're going to get through them is for God to give you his strength. This Mother's Day, go out and have a good meal. Go out and cook. Some of you men might be cooking. I don't even try that. I just go out to a nice restaurant, right? Celebrate the mothers in your life. But If you're going through a difficult time today, know that you can always go to God, the ultimate comforter, the ultimate person, God, the ultimate helper for you.